Hello, folks. This is Nathan from Utility Muffin Labs. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcasts, Nerd Words, and 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. I wanted to take a couple of seconds to let you know about some of the ways we are trying to fund our podcasts. First, we have a GoFundMe so that we can replace our broken down old computer. Check it out at www.gofundme.com forward slash help dash keep dash the dash labs dash running. Or click the link on any of our recent podcasts on utilitymuffinlabs.com. Speaking of our website, you'll notice that we've added some Amazon and drive-thru RPG banners to our site. In addition, our newest VTM25 posts will have links to purchase the books that we talk about. Using those banners and links to buy those books helps us tremendously. Give them a click and help us earn a little bit. Lastly, we've recently set up a Patreon page. We've got a few rewards for our patrons so far, and we plan to bring more as time goes on. Visit our website for the link or go directly to patreon.com forward slash 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade. Thank you for your continued support, and let's get to the show. Welcome to 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective. Presented to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome once again to 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. I am, of course, Nathan. And I am Bob, needing desperately relief from a migraine. Oh, you got, did you take some some ibuprofen? No, I read this clam book. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, no, no, no worries here. Um, so before we get into it, of course, uh, you heard our little commercial at the beginning of the podcast. If you could support us, it'd be great. We're not going to talk about it too much right now. What we are going to talk about, though, is the questions we've been sent from our fans and uh, people who have stumbled upon us. And uh, I'm gonna pull that up right now, like Kramer and Seinfeld. So anyways, we're going to get right to it. We're going to call it Deep in the Warrens once again with Nate and Bob. Yeah. We answer your questions. We share some of our secrets with you. The first comment slash question that we have is from Logan, and he left us a question on our website. And he says, first of all, I'm, I'm a huge first of all. First off, I'm a huge fan of you guys. I listen to you guys all the time. Second, I've only played for about a decade, which, to be fair, is a really, really long a time. A long time, man. <laughs> take, your, take your head off. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You deserve it. I got into the game in high school and kept up with my game group when I enlisted in the Marines and after I got out. So I totally will bow to your greater experience. Please don't. Absolutely no bowing. We're all in this together. But uh, any uh, anyway, on to my question. Frequently, I've noticed Bob refers to Baba Yaga as a Niktuku. I was under the impression that she was uh, the only one of uh, Abysmalard's brood that wasn't a Niktuku. I was also under the impression that all the other Nases that aren't Niktuku come from Baba Yaga. Could you guys give me some clarification? Yes, I can. Uh, Here's the thing. It's one of White Wolf's big things that they do with all their books. They sort of leave it up to your interpretation, your story, even to that of their canon. But what I've discovered is there's a story they released when they did their Gehenna series uh, when I believe it was 1999, I, I could be, we're going to, re- right, we're going right. to review it anyway. Dates off. If it's off, I apologize, but late nineties, early two thousand. they do yeah. a story where they actually iron out who Baba Yaga actually is. And someone does come for her and I won't ruin that, but I will let you know. That's why I call her a Niktaku because she is Baba Yaga is referred to that in a Nosferatu clan book that we just reviewed last week as a Niktaku along with others, right along with others. And the reason why she is, is the power level Baba Yaga brings to the fore. Not every fourth gen is able to lay siege to Russia, like strangleholding. Like if you read Rage Across Russia, it's a werewolf book that can have vampires in it. 
But the vampires are all but dancing to her tune because they don't have a choice. It's do that or die. And they have a rebel Bruja group naturally that are opposing her, but it's it's pitiful to her army of the night. So when you put all those things together and the fact that uh, when it comes to thaumaturgy, basically White Wolf laid it on the table and said, she's it. She's literally it. You know, they do it again with a guy called um, Urshel Gee. You know, they don't give him stats and whatever, but it's like almost White Wolf said, that's that's for werewolves to deal with. This is what vampires have. Right. And whenever you do that, you're saying that of the vampires, these two, the fist of the north cannot meet the fist of the south. You know, they can't, they can't cross. Do not cross the streams. Because White Wolf does this and they say, you know, not everything can collide with everything in the world. And, not, and often that doesn't happen. But to bring it back full circle, when you think of the Nictaku and you read Baba Yaga's background, which they have in Rage, you sit there and go, ah, it makes a lot of sense. You know, the Nictaku are not these, uh, well, let me take this back. I am not the end-all be-all on every single bit of knowledge. I will say I've read quite a bit. And from what I've read, the impression of the Nictaku is they're nightmare monsters, right? Every single one of them. Just because Baba Yaga is the one of them that chose to talk does not make her not a Nictaku. Right. Because she absolutely bends the Nosferatu to her will and uses them as cannon fodder or eats them whole. If that's not a Nictaku by definition, I don't know right. what is. Yeah. I mean, whether or not she is the legendary uh, Nosferatu that fled the progenitor uh, or she's, you know, in good with the old guy, it doesn't really matter. I think really the term Nictaku is uh, or Nictuku or however you pronounce it is kind of like a general term. She's a member of the fourth generation directly embraced by the progenitor and whether or not she's scared of somebody she's freaking scary herself and when you read that book you absolutely see yeah she when you read the end of that Gehenna book you will know she absolutely is frightened of someone and it's it makes crystal clear what goes on and just remember the two qualifications right to me and Nictuku according to Naslor number one you're embraced by the antediluvian right that's key number one and number two you don't oppose them you you go about the set task you do, which is the eradication of all Nas, right? However, I'm going to point out, there's novels that have Nictaku in it that are not hunting down Nosferatu either. So it leaves you to believe that the Nosferatu who live underground are running into these Nictaku who live underground, and they're more or less a force of nature. The fact that you run into anybody runs into one of these Nictaku, you're on the menu. Right. It doesn't really matter. They don't give a damn other than your food. Right. And your hope is they have a special place for you to do something. Right. You know, worst luck ever is running into them. Right. In my opinion, at the end of the day, uh, you probably don't want to get too hung up on terms like that. Like, it, it is what it is. You know, if you want to uh, give it, give that individual character a different title or a different term, go ahead. It's not a big deal. We're kind of just more referencing she's a fourth generation Asferatu. So. And I want to add real quick. I want to, from the bottom of my heart, man, thank you for your service. Uh, to the country, man. I, I'm not, I say that because, you know, I come from military family, number one, but number two, it's important to me to note that there are folks who do go and do all that and still come back and say, Hey, I want to enjoy what you do and do what you love. And for us, naturally, it's, it's not just podcasting, it's vampire. And that's very cool of you for, from us here at utility muffin labs. Yes. Thank you very much. And hopefully that gave you some clarification. Our next question comes from Rachel, who sent us a question on Twitter, and she's been pretty active um, since we got on Twitter. Uh, she's a couple of questions for the podcast. If you get the time, we do. Uh, <laughs> do you guys plan to review Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines? 
I had the second edition book in high school, but lived in a small town and couldn't convince anyone to play. When the game came out in college, I devoured it. Two, I get the impression that several of the NPCs from the game are canon characters, e.g. Jack is Smiling Jack. If so, do you feel that they were well represented in Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines? Loving the content. Uh, and uh, so I'm going to just touch base on this really quick. Um, I'm totally out of my wheelhouse. I've, <laughs> I never played Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. I am aware that it exists, but when it was available, I didn't have a computer. I never played either of the vampire games. So honestly, I know nothing about it as far as what's in it content-wise. Hopefully you have some. I don't know if you played it. I do. I, I've played it. I've beat it. I've beat it a couple times. Uh, so clearly I enjoyed the game. Uh, but I enjoyed the game for very much the same reason that you just mentioned it. Uh, you just, you, you know, in your question, you said that you uh, really had a book, you loved the book, but then college and you ran to the game and just digested it. I feel a lot of people jumped to the new game that White Wolf put out because of the success of Vampire Masquerade, the first one they did. Um, and I also like this in Bloodlines, they bring back uh, mention head nods to the previous game quite a bit. And that for me was amazing. A lot of people love that game because of it. But to more to the point, um, it's it's a game, right? So it's kind of hard to sit here and go, what's what's their take on it? Was it correct? Was it wrong? I mean, Activision's doing it. And uh, there's a second company that partnered up with it to handle it. But really, I feel White Wolf is like, we got enough on our plate. But yeah, absolutely. Please use our content. You know, copyright, copyright, business, shake hands. And yeah, go ahead and push it. We, we love it. And they let them do what they wanted to do. Now, in terms of the three characters, there's Smiling Jack, there's Beckett, and then there's an enigmatic Bokeefus character. And the one I want to touch on, we'll wait for that. We'll wait for that as the last gem. Smiling Jack was done like a retired old pirate turned biker is what they did in the game. Like when you run into him, he's just sort of like, yeah, you know, back in the day, I could have tore, I got to raise hell right there with you. Yeah. You know? And, and he's like, but, you know, consider where you're at. You know, the plot's... It's L.A., right? That's where you're right. at. And L.A. is just super chaotic. And in Bloodlines, you play through all that. And you, it's the Hanark City Mecca. And he's in it, naturally. So do you do well? He, you don't do much with him, but you do see him. And I guess my take on it is, is that for, they did that smart. They did it to where your opinion is. That Smiling Jack, yeah, it's, I, I got an idea. I envision him. That's kind of what he looks like. Yeah, yeah, I'd say they did okay with him. Is he the in his heyday? Is he the focus? Now, that's the two important questions. It's not when he was all raised in hell, he's an elder now, and he's still doing that Anarch gig. I wonder how tiring that must be. And uh, the second one is, and I think they portray that, by the way. And the second one is, um, you're the focus of the game, not Smiling Jack. So when you do see him, it's like, hey, it's yeah, cool, you know, da, 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 moving on. You know, like, he gives you info, basically, is what he serves in the game. Now, when it comes to Beckett, Beckett was always the to me. I always laughed at at, at Beckett and White Wolf because he was like their excuse to bring deep plot to the world, right? <laughs> like sort of like a hat wearing Indiana Jones type character. That's, that's a completely fair assessment, I think, of Beckett because uh, when you read the Gehenna novel, like I mean, he's the he's the focal point. He is the novel, and all the right. other characters kind of file in behind him. And now you got to uh, Beckett is that guy who uh, can break the fourth wall almost. He never does, but. He goes around and gathers these, like, like there's an elder he hangs with that he conscripts. Or, or no, let me reverse that. In canon, Beckett's the character who's been hired to go collect all this Nottis lore, as it's called. And Nottis lore is that ancient lore about vampires and where they come from, no matter the clan. Collect it all, every bit. 
and bring it back to this old Malkavian guy, this powerful elder who's funding Beckett. And to that end, Beckett has a coterie, right? You got, is it Aratol, I believe his name? Anatol. Anatol, thank you. You have Theo Bell, you have Lucida, and uh, the Nosferatu, I always forget his name, but. Honestly, I can't remember his name either because it's been so long. And tells me the Nosferatu's doing his good job. He's doing his job, right? (laughs) And And that's what it is, but that's Beckett's actual coterie. And he runs into all of them in various novels, fiction, and even the books. Knowing this, Beck in the video game runs into you the same way. He's there with some quick info, and he's out, and he's there to help you on a quest thing, and that's he's in and out. Mm-hmm. I think they did Beckett well. Um, to that end, I think Beckett looks a little shoddy, but considering the year was like 2003, I believe. I don't know. It's a it's an older video game. Looking at it now from 26, 2017, excuse me. Whoa. Uh, yeah, they did they did good for what they had. Um. Then we get into the Bo Kifis character, and this is the most one of the most disputed things amongst my friends, gaming groups I ran into. I remember it being a Gen Con question that was thrown out, and you know there, I want to say that it, it wasn't Achilles who was there. It was, I believe it was a guy who wrote uh, one of the revisions of of the book, and he was just at the booth, like you know, mm-hmm. like he drew the short straw on the right. circuit, and they were like, "Oh yeah, hey, by the way, you know, yeah, who's Bo Kifis and blah blah blah." The cab driver. And he just ignored the question. <laughs> was like, up, oh, head duck. Not to, and clearly on his face was like, I have no clue what you're talking about. But I'll tell you that Bokephus, when I mentioned that name, and I'm butchering it, it's a Greek name, and I don't speak Greek. So um, what I could tell you is the two points that I found in any lore, in all the books, one says he's Cain, that that's another name for Cain. And but it's from the portrayal of a Methuselah who's collecting all lore, and even he says, "You know what? This may not be correct, right. but this is the name he knew. One of the names that Cain has used throughout history as he's gone through the ages because he's trying to track him." In a video game, though, Bokevis is a cab driver. He's a guy you run into. You could use him. Hey, man, cool. Right. Drive around. He's real creepy in the front seat and always has his weird smile on his face. A couple times you catch it, and you know you just let it go. And everyone loved the idea that it would be Kane. That how cool would that be? Kane's my cab driver because I'm at the center of everything and I know what's going on. And you're like, yeah, okay, cool, interesting. Um, eh, kind of lame. Well, yeah, it is lame. Who knows who that guy is? Because there's also a Bokifus who's the actual one is a fourth generation child of La Sombra, and he serves in the Dark Senate. And if you don't know what the Dark Senate is, that means that they have done their job. <laughs> uh, the the dark senate is deep lasombro lore and of course i know what that term is and what they refer to in it and it's fantastic i'm a huge lasombro fan and that just means you haven't gotten the signet ring nor the halls of power nor killed the requisite amount of babies to know the knowledge so uh one day you will and please have fun searching up and we will naturally cover this in in a future podcast yeah. but of those three eh, bo is the only one i give a kind of a kind of the red card to you know depending though in typical mystery fashion, who was he? Who was he really? And that's... Yeah, of course. Um, as far as, like, reviewing that video game, again, I've never played it, and uh, I don't have access to it currently. If we had access to it, we would be uh, willing to give it a review. Um, we, it would probably be something that uh, we we give away uh, through our Patreon page, if you wanted <laughs> to go check that out. Um, but yeah, we, I mean, we intend to review a lot of things that are involved with this game that aren't specifically the books, but most of those things are going to be like, um, stuff we give to the community 
outside of our regular podcasts. Right. You know, the podcast itself, we're going to stick with, you know, uh, every week review a new book uh, in the line. But uh, the other stuff will come. It'll just be probably on the back end. And uh, finally, about that Bloodlines game, about canon characters, that game sings because it doesn't have a whole lot of canon characters, but it's steeped in the lore that White Wolf has made. You know, the whole world of White Wolf has. And all the characters, they're very well done for what they needed in that game. So that'll tell you. And that's why you love it so much. That's why I played it so much. Everybody plays it so much. Um, And then uh, that'll bring us to our third and final question. And and it kind of touches based on something we already talked about in the previous question. Uh, In a few of the podcasts, you've made a comment or two about possibly having guest involvement. I'm not sure if you were saying or if you were just saying that uh, or if you were open to having someone joining at times, I would definitely be interested. So for me, and you know, correct me if I'm uh, uh, off the mark here, but um, we have some giveaways that we're we're doing right now that involve either a guest spot on the podcast or like a tailor made podcast about a book that you want us to review. And until we get to that point and get those taken care of, the concept of guests is not something that's going to regularly happen. Uh, it, down the road, it may happen, but first we want to be able to give that away as a reward for people that have donated to our GoFundMe. And I'm going to be very clear. And when, when you're doing a review, the review is, you know, you trust the content knowledge that two people have. You know, we know each other very, very well. And we also know that we own the books. That's the important part and that we've read it. And what we don't want is to interrupt that flow. This is knowledge read from books we can cite from sources that are there. They exist. And what I find is, is that you need to have that relationship with someone doing a review of content because you got to be able to trust that they're putting in equal work. And it's not that you're not. It's not that you wouldn't. It's not that you haven't. It's that we do not know you on that level. Yeah, exactly. When when we decide to give these these uh, rewards away, there's going to be a vetting process. You know, we're going to have to talk to the person you know, make sure not like quiz them or drill them, but just make sure like, okay, this is how our flow goes. You know, we're definitely going to do our best to include you, but we have to make sure that, you know, you've read the book, that you understand the content and, you know, that you're not a crazy person, you know, that's really the, most, <laughs> that's the part we're tiptoeing around. And also we have a podcast where guests are more than welcome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's nerd words. And yeah. we, we do that as well. Sometimes back to back. Yeah. So, um, you know, definitely keep an eye out. You know, we'll talk to some of you folks that have expressed interest. There have been quite a few. And, uh, you know, down the road, it may be something that happens. And like I said, if we if we can hit our goal on our GoFundMe page, there's five people that are going to get that or or less, depending on how people donate. Anyways, it's not important. <laughs> um, just keep your eyes open, perhaps later down the road, but not today or tomorrow. <laughs> All righty. Uh, that is the end of our question and answer segment. Uh, let's get into the review of this book. All right. So, Clan Book Malkavian. Um, just to give you a little bit of background about the clan for me, I've always been a fan of the clan, but I don't attribute that to the material that they initially released for this clan. Um, I have mixed emotions about this book, uh, deeply mixed emotions, and uh, I... I you can't see it because we're audio, but uh, Bob is fidgeting. There's something he deeply wants to express, so I'm going to just let him do it. Look, this book is written from a one-type one tunnel. It says that the, the reader, all Malkavians, it gives you the impression that it's a guy who's schizophrenic, who can't keep a thought in his head, one stream to the next, but then deep-seated past all that BS, 
there's a grain of truth, but it's written about every single thing you read in the book. It gives you a dramatic headache. And, and because of that, and why it does is because your brain's like, that's nonsensical. You're speaking an analogy throughout the whole thing. Where is there a stream of thought? And then, and then everyone listening is going to go, but that's clan Malkavian, right? No, that's one Malkavian one, one <laughs> with a deranged mind, one who's suffering a delusion and he put it to a book. That's, that's not, you never want to do that. I mean, that's the only book they did. And I think even they real, even white wolf realized, Oh, uh, so I, I just want to express this personally. When I first read this book, um, back in the nineties, when I first started playing this game, I didn't like the book. I thought it was ridiculous. It didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And uh, there was all kinds of stuff. I was just like, you know what? This is ridiculous. I have my own perception of what Malkavian is based on the other material that they've released. And I'm just going to go with that. And basically, people that didn't play to what I thought a Malkavian was, I was like, you're terrible. You know what you're doing. You're awful. And I attributed it to this book. And you we got to give an apology to right, those who are listening right. where we were like, you know what, dude? I mean, we, I was cruel to yeah. people who would show up to game wearing a clown outfit and a top hat. And you're thinking this person is going to be creepy. Right. It's just going to be scary. What horrible vampire decided you were good. And, and he's like, oh no, I'm playing a Malkavian and it's going to be great. Okay. Then game starts and they're, they're making whipped cream pies and handing them out to people. They're making jokes. They're shaking hands. They're hugging everybody. And then you're like, oh, we, this must be the show. Right behind the scenes must be something very terrible, very dark indeed. And then you listen further, and it's like, no, that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to come to game, say they're a vampire, not right. drink any of that icky bad bad blood. You know, oh, I don't want the sunlight to hurt me anymore. Can you help me, Mister Tremere? Oh, I don't want. And you're like, okay, so you're a tragic man child who was made, and <laughs> right. you just can't deal. Why isn't he staked right. and put somewhere safe? Or, or or the people that that showed up in in baby clothes and with a pacifier and a teddy bear, and you're like, oh, this is going to be good on the back end. It was to the point where me and Nate said, and I quote, that whenever we saw these people, we would sit back and we'd play a game. And that game was, how soon before this person gets super pissed that everyone thinks they're ridiculous right now? And a lot of times we won this game. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was pretty bad, but. Uh, I think our perceptions of that clan were different. And I think those people read this book and, and they said, well, th this is acceptable. This is uh, totally within the confines of what the clan is. And I think we were wrong. Yeah. Based on, on this book. I, I think that in, in, in my maturity, looking back at this book, I had a different idea. And that's not the idea that they were giving here. Right, like they were they were misled on a perception of the clan, and whenever they told me that I was incorrect, now understand, I read this book, yeah, and and this is a phenomenon. I don't I don't get it. Right. I read this book, and my brain went, "All this is bullshit, grain of truth, bullshit, 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 grain of truth, right? BS, understood, tragedy. Okay, here it is, bum done. Right, but here's the thing, Bob. Once revised came out, once once the revised edition of the clan book, which is good, yep, it validated our opinions because clearly they were trying to put upon a theme here and I feel like we got it and maybe that's tooting our own horn tooting my horn tooting your horn but I think we got it it's, and the other people read it at face value and took it for what that was right for people who didn't love the game and were looking for a claim to groove to 
the light happy in them was drawn to this original Malkavian right. clan book because it's steeped in lore of fairies. Yeah, oh, like, absolutely. It, it ties into Fae a lot in this book, and that's where they were like, oh, yeah, but those people who came in clown outfits and what have you, right. they should play the Fae game. Unique fact, Fae live action wasn't out yet when right. this book came. It's an idea that was coming, but right. wasn't there yet. And so you were drawing from that pool of people right. who said, I can play a vampire, and here's why. And I think that was White Wolf's point. I think this was a cedar. This was to see people who read and like this book and want to play this way. There's a game coming where you're going to enjoy that. Right. But is there a pool for that? And I think that's what they did. And to that end, marketing genius, right? Yeah. Problem is, they only did it to one book in this style. One, I mean, because let's be honest. If you did every book from the perspective of only one type of character, you wouldn't have the love that people have for this game. Right. Because you wouldn't find where you fit. Right. And that's that's what this did. And... To, to that end, I think we should just get into some of the content, but I got to bear it. It's a warning, a big warning label. Some of the things we're going to quote from the book, because I don't think we're talented enough to display that much crazy. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you like this. Also, in my maturity, rereading this book, I feel like the author, I feel like two things are present here. One, uh, they were just trying to have a good time. They were just trying to, like, let's make the craziest thing we can make and just Pitch it out. Let's have a good time. Two, uh, I think that the author was a really big fan of the Joker. Well, here's some insight. We I said this before in a podcast. I have talked to Justin Achille at length about this book. And by at length, I mentioned it. He rolled his eyes, his shoulders slumped, and he grabbed, he literally took his, his thumb and forefinger and grasped his nose right between his (laughs) eyes and he went look man i didn't do that book we revised it for a reason check that book out that's that's the one you want to look at and i was like do you get asked that question a lot he goes every time everywhere he goes they're like what what about this book and he said that was before me that was before i had a chance to get involved uh at the ground level for something to edit it and he said just i would just rather that book not even be looked at as part of it that's a quote from him he says but it is and for a lot of people some people liked it but then they love the new book even better because the new book made sense to them. Right. Because this book is might as well be an in character. I would take this book as a, as a something I would throw in game and tell people, this is what you find. Right. You raid this dude's Haven. Who's done whatever terrible things are. He has a straight jacket in the corner. And in that straight jacket is his diary. Right. Absolutely. And, and I let them run with it. Cause there's nothing in here that can help or damn them. So um, the first chapter is a story, and uh, it's a well-written story, but it's not one I particularly care for uh, because it's very overt. And uh, to explain what I mean by that, there's a lot of like, this is how you behave as a Malkavian. And to me, that's like really, there's not a lot of uh, mystique to that, you know, like Never in any other story have I ever read. This is how you be a Ventrue. Let's let's give a synopsis, okay? And and just we'll just simplify the whole mm-hmm. thing. The story is: it's a guy who just recently got embraced by his sire, who clearly is an elder vampire who suffers a, a form of mania, a form of schizophrenic mania, and everything comes to their brain lightning quick, and it's hard for them to maintain focus on any one thing, as if they're being bombarded with all the sensory input. Right. But the sire gets that. And is so used to it that is there's a will of navigation, and in that will of navigation, has embraced this poor bastard, who's got this searing headache, feels like his mind splitting, doesn't know what to do, and the sire's coaxing to let go and just dive into it, Correct. let go and swim in it the whole time, and then it goes off the rails 
Like that's the normal part of it. Right. You know, and then it becomes something else. Now, here's the problem with this story though, right here. I'm just gonna dissect it. And that's because you're it takes away from being a vampire. He's dead flesh. He just died. Where's that where's the focus on that change where that would make sense? Where you would kind of have to deal with that first. I mean, this says like being dead, being immortal, all the sights and sounds and everything new, that pales in comparison to the glory of visual insanity right. you, coming you, to your brain. You're, but your mind has now opened and and you need to think differently. And it, it totally disregards the beast. Yeah. Is the problem with it. Yeah, it, it definitely does. And uh I I think that that's that's what's really lacking in this story is it talks about, you know, these the conversations that these characters have and there's just nothing about that. It's all about let's let's get past the the walls that separate us from reality right. and and it's so in that in that sense it was a put off. Um but whatever, read the story if you want. I <laughs> right. it doesn't really matter. Uh then we go into chapter 2 and the legends of the Malkavians, which should be called the ravings of madmen, honestly. Yeah. Um Everything that they they present here gives you like some idea of what Give us what taste. the what the Malkavians may think. No, 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 no. You you good. You good again. Um, they they uh they go on to um basically the contradictory reports of a clan's perceptions. Um, right. and you know we we come to learn that like any other clan, the 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 individuals are unique. They're all going to have their different motivations, but uh, they'll give you they give us examples here from the perspective of these of, of Malkavians and um, they have things like global iconoclasm uh, and the, the world is full of fools who hold tawdry baubles before their faces, watch them glint and shine and give their very lives and souls to the flashy trash. I love my country. It, it goes on. Basically here's, here's this is like stream of consciousness. It is. And here's, here's the problem. You are reading this book as a, a brand new person to the game loves the concept of playing a tragic character who, you know, you're a vampire, but you, this insanity was born in you. And, you know, you have an idea of what insanity you want to portray. Nothing is funny. They have an excerpt at the front of this book that says no form of mental illness is hysterical, funny at all. And their attempt is not to poke fun of it, uh, fun of it at all. That's not their intent. Their intent is to portray a clan of vampires from a perspective of insanity why that's dangerous, you're sane people trying to look at insanity and portray insanity and describe it to other sane people. Well, now, if you're new to Vampire and you get this book and you're like, yeah, I want to do that, I like the fact that on the front it has artwork of a of a dude, a raving lunatic in a straitjacket, mouth covered, staring up at the sky like he's got something profound that he's learning or he's about to say. But then when you open the book, you can't get any groundwork that gives you a guideline on how to portray this clan as, a, as vampires. Right. It's nowhere. It's just raving after raving after raving after raving. Yeah, I feel like it, they really miss the mark here in guiding you as a role player, um, what the clan stands for. And basically, it it just says, hey, fucking whatever, do whatever you want. Just it's stream of consciousness time. Then they have the traditions in chapter three, the seven or eight traditions. Um, oh, the danger factor. Before you got to go on that. The danger factor of this book is having said all that. When you get it and you start reading it, you're going to trick yourself. Same thing I did, where you go, grain of truth. Oh, yeah, there's, okay, okay. They, they give a head nod to, to their origin. Mm -hmm. No, they don't. No, they don't. There it went. There it went. And I actually had a little fun time 
trying to take my phone and write down what was factual, what I could sit there and say, this is what a MALC is, okay, and we're moving through it. And then I thought about it. Every clan book we reviewed before then had the elements that are in this, this clan book. You know, the background, like, okay, there's an ancient story. Okay, there's a modern, there's a Mauk's today. That's still in here, but it's steeped in so much BS that you can't, you, you can't find it unless right. you did that. Double which is, talk, jargon. Which is where my headache came from. And then I sat there and went, this is why I'm mad about this book. And by mad, I use it loosely. There's an expectation that they've held the whole time. And they, and they try to get very experimental here. And it's bold to do experimental, but the risk of that is it either goes very well or it goes very bad, depending on who you are when you read it. But when you read it, you're going to trick yourself into believing, oh, yeah, dude, I get this book. I get what's going on because I read this paragraph that tied it all together. My I, uh, Reader, I caution you. Go back. <laughs> Go back and read it again. Write down what you think you know and make sure that they didn't infect you with bullshit. Because so many people I know read this book and claim they read it and reread it and reread it. And then every time they read it, they go, I learned something new every time because the book was written that way. It was right. written for you to buy hook, line, and sinker, every little tawdry story analogy, double talk. Yeah. You've it, tricked yourself. It's, it's essentially every time we give you something concrete, we take it away. You know, we, we paint over it with some nonsense. Um, we we have these uh, the traditions a big thing that like I really have an issue with and and we kind of mentioned this before but they talk about the Arcadia connection and basically they tie a direct link between the Malkavians and the Fey absolute link and it's not even it's not alluded to it's part of their traditions and I use air quotes to at its heart that. they say the Malkavians at this point are beings who are suffering an awakening and that awakening is to a world of perception beyond everyone else and they even get into that they describe an analogy of an amoeba and what it was like for the first ganglia to decide they didn't want to be like the amoebas and that type of craziness but they go so far to be human beings and then they allude to vampires and they mention the third eye and that's when you think you're onto something because you get it salubri they're referring to no they're not they're mentioning the third eyes and the right. psychic third right. eye the opening. proverbial third eye you know psychics came first and anyway um the the whole aspect is that when a perception hits there's some profound understanding, and that profound understanding leads them to Arcadia and the Fae. Because what they understand is, is that the world used to be steeped in magic. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, because that profound world was steeped in magic back in the beginning. Which, why that sucks, to say that they know the world was steeped in magic back in the day, no shit. We know that. And why I say that is because the Tremere clan is going to get into that. That's the Tremere stick is that that's why they became vampires. They were once, we'll get into that. Right. They were, they were once mages. We'll put it that way. Can't leave that on end. But when it comes to the Fae, it says that they now get the Fae because the Fae are dying because all that creativity, that chaotic whimsy, that wild energy. And it's like they're tying multiple genres into one, but only one clan gets it, but you can't understand them. Because you're not a Malkavian. Yeah, it's true. Um, so then they talk about the word eater. And uh, it's really cool because they have a picture of the word eater and the words are fading from the page. That's totally awesome, right? So that leads me to believe nothing on this page is important because I can't find the end of it. <laughs> and then, awesomely enough, on the next page, the fucker's upside down. Right. And so Sweet, bro. He said fun. And this is where we think they did it right. I really right, do. Right. It gives you that flavor of... Some Malk went here and said, oh, you want to know what a Malk is? I'll write it down. Right. I'll make this book for you. 
No problem. I'll tell you all about us. It'll be great and grand. Yeah, you'd enjoy this ride. Right. Also, uh, then on the next page, well, I think it's on the upside down page. The upside down page has all like a bunch of disciplines and and uh, some knowledges. Malcavian time. Some power related to fairies in there. They do. It's called Visit Fairyland, and it's a level seven obfuscate discipline. I don't understand why it's an obfuscate discipline, but it right. is what it is. Uh, awesome. Uh, then they talk about the Malkavian hierarchy and, uh, really, you know, it's just more of the same. Do Mad Men have a hierarchy? Just ask yourself that question. Not really. Nope. Uh, then of course they have the attitudes of the Malkavian, the Malkavians have for the other clans. And, uh, there's, there's a Nosferatu, there's a picture of a Nosferatu character sheet on here. I don't. I don't really know why. Like they're, uh, they're fourth wall breaking. Right. Oh no, absolutely. They're breaking breaking the fourth wall big time. Um, you have, of course, the crazy scrawls and and like. So basically, the artwork in here it looks like it was done by a child. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I feel like that in and of itself will give you the impression that this clan is very childlike. There's there's two ways to look at this book. If you go through this book as an as what we did this time. And you're like, okay, read some good standard stuff that built and built and built. Painting a world, we got the backdrop, perfect, we're in it. Now let's get into what these Malkavians are and see how they fit into it. And then off into a pit. It's gone. (laughs) It's not, this is where we need to put the duct tape. I think a lot of people knew that. But the other perceptions look at this and go, as a storyteller, I own this book. How can I use this? And then you get to looking at the artwork. Like there's a picture of they draw daisies like a kid would, except they have vampire fangs and eyes. And I thought about it. That's the tragedy. Uh huh. These beings, they were filled with light. And if they were alive and then knew of the Fae in this perception, that would, that would be grew very well for them. Wouldn't it? It would be amazing. The insights they'd have maybe possibly. Yeah. Who knows? But there's a part of them that wants to ignore the fact they're a vampire. Right. The being that made this book, they can't reconcile that. I'm no psychologist, but we've seen enough, uh, not just not just horror films, but reading and the psychology few courses I take and stuff like that. When you look at this stuff, the picture speaks more to you than all the words in the book. And to that, they do it justice because it shows you this dude might be like you can imagine the guy who wrote this book was in an insane asylum. And in that asylum, he ran into a whole bunch of people who all borrowed this book and just put their info into it. And right. just just laid it in, just for you to see what's going on. Whether it makes sense to you or not, that's part of the insanity. So, moving on a little bit here, after we're done talking about, the, the Malkavians are done talking about the other clans. Again, slightly, a lot of stream of consciousness. <laughs> uh, we get to the page that says, Method role-playing, acting the madness. Except, it's in reverse. Right. You need a mirror to read it. So, chances are... The actual meat and potatoes of acting out the madness probably got skipped over like it did by me this morning. Right. Because I was like, guess what? Not getting a mirror. Not going to do that. Right. I'm not going to stand in a no. bathroom to read it. Let's no. just, just move on. Definitely not going to do that. And that, my friends, is 35 pages of the Malkavian. That's the content of this book. 35 pages. After uh, uh, page 35, we get into the Malkavian templates. This, to me, is probably the most useful thing it you're going to get out of the book. It is the best part of the book, and, and so much so. How much time are we at right now? 
40 minutes. Can we can we get into these? Because I, I want to yeah, redeem absolutely. it enough because I think the templates are good. Yeah, absolutely. So the first one we have here is the Mesmeric Manipulator. Um, I actually didn't read these this morning right. uh, because uh, I fell asleep, um, truth be told. Yeah, don't um, worry about it. Let's move. <laughs> Let's, well, I mean, going through it, the, mes- the Mesmeric Manipulator. This is a person who's a seer-type character who's going to be using their... Because remember, at this time, Malkavians only have Dominate in clan. Yeah. And I believe this person... The, the Camarilla. Sorry. Yes, the Camarilla Malkavians have yeah. this. Uh, only Dominate. And in here, it's telling you that you could play this type of Malkavian. Right. Seeing things unseen, predictions, stuff like that. It gives you a good guideline of how to play that type of character. Right. Uh, the next one is the Freak. <laughs> and the Freak is a picture of... Uh, uh, kind of an unattractive hunchback fella with a with a bloody hatchet and uh, a chain through his hand into his ear. Yeah, uh, where this is from is uh, there's a movie made by uh, Full Moon Studios. It's called Castle Freak. If you've seen the movie Castle Freak, that's where the artwork and idea of this character came from. The artwork, anyway. It's a combination of it because it's his face, the way it is. The kind of feel, and that's that's a movie that came out around this era, right? Too. And uh, you know, they talk about uh, the guy. The guy's not like a like an axe wielding maniac. Uh, he's a freak. He is a, like a traditional, stereotypical freak um, into masochism. Nicest guy on earth, right? But into self mutilation, into reality busting through <laughs> the the showing the depths of his own self depravity type of guy that would go you ever want to know what it's like if uh if you found something profound and discovered something new yeah i want to see it and he'd smash himself in the head with a hammer <laughs> right <laughs> he's the guy that's pounding nails up his nose uh the next one is the conspiracy theorist <laughs> and uh i mean it, it's a conspiracy theorist it's a cool concept for this a character is, this is a trash fire character in my opinion what i mean by that i've seen so many of these done i've seen so many people gravitate to the stereotype they think Malkavian, they think conspiracy theorists. Wouldn't that be great? No, it's not great. It's not great because none of you ever read the vampiric lore to back it up. <laughs> and and if you do, you don't take the lore to portray it correctly. It's always something. It, a good conspiracy theorist is a conspiracy everywhere. Right. It's not just what you read. It's as you're talking. It's the person you're looking at. You're a paranoid person. And uh, have- I, I don't disagree with you. I think, but I think it can be a good character concept. I, I think if it's done right, it can definitely be a good character concept. Um, the next one we have is the waking dreamer. And uh, the waking dreamer is kind of like this childlike ethereal fey type character, I think is the best way to describe it. The waking right, dreamer. Right, right, absolutely. Um Going from there, we have the Raving Lunatic. Uh, <laughs> he probably wrote this book. I was going to say, literally, you took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, just He's the guy who wrote the book, clearly. Um, the, then we have the Crazed Monster, uh, who looks like one of the spooky kids from Marilyn Manson's uh, <laughs> little band. And uh, you are beyond human. You are beyond vampire. You are an elemental force. You are raw evil, or so you think. Uh, again, probably one of the spooky kids. And if you look at it, it literally looks like right. early 90s Marilyn Manson. Like, they clearly took inspiration from like him. Like, he's a star in the dope show. Uh, then we have the Moody Loner. And the Moody Loner has the Oswald was a Patsy t-shirt. Um, and uh, again, kind of like with the same 
sort of concept is the conspiracy theorist. Right. Um, we have the the moody loner. Some of the role playing tips that they gave uh, is a stay withdrawn in a sullen, suspicious funk. Actively look for ways to misinterpret everything people say as a personal slight or an affront to you. I've met this guy. Yep. <laughs> so uh, definitely uh, another. I I think a a good interpretation of uh, the Malkavian clan um, in that insanity that's not quite bubbling over the surface or like bubbling over like it's you know, it's just like a low simmer and it's just always kind of like they're waiting for that freak out then we have the detached scientist <laughs> and uh i i've always liked the cold uh detached concept um and uh i mean it's a it's a pretty straightforward concept um they talk about some role-playing tips plan everything uh dispassionately and logically do not react when people threaten or intimidate you, but make calculated moves about what to do next to quickly and remorselessly crush the threat. It's a guy without emotion, without emotions, without right. the, the without the stricture and uh, um, the conscience, if you will. Well, I wouldn't make that dangerous assumption. It's without without emotions. I think the emotions are there. It, the the derangement half is that there's no understanding. That detachment does not detach from self; it's detached from everything else. Right. Like you don't someone being angry at you and enraged at you. If they can logically figure out why you're reacting that way, then they understand that the rest of it's BS. In other words, they dissect the issue, and that's what makes them dangerous, right? Or, or very scary to be around. Mm-hmm. You're an open book. Everything is quickly dissected and figured out. Sure, I can definitely get behind that. The next one we have is the reality buster. And uh, this is probably my least favorite character concept in yes. the game, uh, mostly because it's a character concept I've interacted with in a number of live action games, and it makes me want to stab myself in the eye with a fork. Uh, maybe you love it, and that's okay. You're you're entitled to enjoy these concepts, even though we may not. Uh, but I think this one is just just not fun. Um, some of the role-playing tips that they use, uh, uh, use your wild, reckless, youthful exuberance and slightly cockeyed perspective to make your ideas seem as exciting as possible. Offer reality busting to anyone who is interested, but never try to convert those opposed to it. They might be spies for the grungies, the them who locked reality up in the first place. It makes me want to throw this book across the room just to read that. Right, because again, you're, you're, it's like you're playing with Faye, but you're a vampire. Right. And that's it's not... It doesn't mix well, and it, it you know well. it's it's like the the pictures like oh I got a bunch of video game controllers and like all these cool buttons and pants. It's, ah, God, it makes me want to puke. Uh. So, <laughs> so let's let's skip to the we. I think we talked enough about like should you own this book? I I really think this book you would own it to know when the, when you're off the rails. In my opinion, I would get this book to know when I hear accounts. You got to know this book as a storyteller to know when a player is taking something too off chart. And what I mean by that is, let me explain to you what I tell every what I tell everybody who wants to play Mount Gavin. Step one, research, research, research. Look at the history of mental asylums. Look at where that came from. Look at what true derangement is in the real world. Because remember, this is gothic punk horror. So we're talking Mary Shelley asylums right. type type thing going on. And when you research that, it's tragic what we did to people who have these ailments and we didn't know, we didn't understand. And then we didn't care because we just wanted them out of the way of our perfect little lives. That's how our communities treated it. Right. So they went to these asylums, but what do you do to people who are trapped in their own mind, chemical imbalances, what have you abuses, escapes, 
who knows why they're where they're at. And that leaves you a wild cornucopia of derangements to pick from. Once you've read those and you can still stomach that your character, odds are, because you're an immortal, played through some of those asylums, has lived through there, how does that affect you outside knowing that the more crazy you are externally, the more likely society's going to lock you up again or try to. And if not society, now that you're a vampire, you have laws you have to follow. You follow them in your own way. That's to be true, but as long as you don't break them, your own way cannot break them. Because if they do, a different law comes from you, comes for you, and how do you handle that? More importantly, we can even look at the savage aspect. Malkavians have a Malkavian anti-half. I think it's very valid to talk about that too. And the Malkavian antis, the Sabbat handle it different. They're like, you're our brother, but you're so, you're so, they, they embrace it. Well, we, we will get there eventually with with them because remember we read those those Sabbat books, those uh, second ed Sabbat books, and basically the Sabbat Malkavian they don't even acknowledge we're not Malkavians, we're not at all. That's not what they become. It's it's, it's definitely they they kind of ran roughshod over that clan, gave them a cool discipline, and called it a day. It's not until we get to revise down the road where we're really going to see how the Malkavian clan can be properly portrayed and can be incredibly frightening from both ends. Honestly, Zemisio scary externally. I'll give you that internally. When I I've played a Malkavian, I want you to tell you, I, I have a fear of playing Malkavians because when you get into the role, when you think about it, I'll tell you exactly what I played. I played a person who suffered mania, right? That was the thing. But when researching mania, there's a lot of real life, um, routines they take you through when you get help for this right you go to clinics and they teach you how to handle it how to try to curb your emotions and then they put you on these meds and that that state that you're constantly in and i would i would go to game and i would play in this quiet kind of i'm here this is what i'm doing and this this was tabletop by the way and that's that's just how i was responding but to everyone in the room my own friends we're talking at one time i had yeah my sister played in this game um felt very uncomfortable having me in the room because they know me and suddenly it was like i was sedate but then out of nowhere, something would happen and they wouldn't necessarily know what triggered me, but I had worked out with the storyteller what my trigger was. So they knew. And here's the thing. My derangement's always active, but there is no pill to take as a vampire because it doesn't affect <laughs> right. you. Right. So that's the key. Good luck and getting medicated. And I combined it with the beast and we morphed it into what it was. And my mania became that when I fed, I devoured I didn't just bite you in the neck. I took it to that level. I dove into my victim. I was becoming them. I was rubbing blood on myself. I was talking about how I could feel them. The woman I fed from had children, and I was describing to people the miracle of birth and what it was like to be a mom. And I remember that when I got into this role and I started acting that out, five minutes I was into it, and the storyteller was like, oh, my God, yeah, roll that, roll this. I'll roll it for you is what it became. And it was like, okay, are we we good? Mm -hmm. Are you fed? And I was like, yeah, man, I'm good. And I got up and got a drink and I came back and then people were still quiet. Like they were like, dude, that's a scary ass character. Like why, why you didn't react when we were in a fight? Why did you do that? I was like, my character got hungry. Right. And they were like, what? And then the storyteller was like, that's a derangement, man. That's, that's someone who has something wrong. That's just good job. Here's your XP. And then once it got done, I was like, people, people didn't even want to talk about it. Nobody wanted to talk about my character. No, we want to talk about how I got there, why I was what I was. It was just like, dude, maybe you should play something a little more lighthearted, huh? <laughs> so, I mean, I just, you know, we're friends here. Let's just have a good time. You should probably play a guy that just punches people really hard and 
Right. Pro- whipped, and then just, make up and make right. whipped cream pies and just throw them at the prince and call it a rebellion. You should wear a jean jacket with pins and buttons on it. <laughs> and you should talk about your third eye. <laughs> Not the fact that you were. We we won't get too deep into this because this 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 could go into very sensitive territory. But uh, offline here, Bob and I are are very willing to take things to a level where it makes people very uncomfortable. Not to make them uncomfortable, but because that's what this theme deserves. That's what this for for me. And I I don't want to speak for you, but for me, this is an adult game. And I feel like you you automatically sign a waiver when you pick Go it ahead up. And speak for me. I agree with everything so far. When you pick up this game and you decide I'm going to play a game about vampires who kill people, you're playing an adult game. The gloves come off. Yes. Sorry if things bother you, but that's why we're here. We're here to explore that. We're here to entertain ourselves with that. And when we're done, we had a great time because that's the agreed upon theme. It's dark and reaches recesses of your psyche that maybe you don't want to reach, but you've decided to go there. It's, it's like anything else, you know, you, you, you pays your money, you takes your chances, right? That's how it goes. But you know what those chances are before you get into it. And this game is big. I'm telling you, Hey, by the way, it's an adult game, adult themes. Right. We're going to go over things like love and hate and terror and danger and violence and right. violence in every aspect. Right. Uh, and that's and it's going to go in. It goes into all of that. And it says if you're uncomfortable with any of those themes, this may not be the game for you or agree with your storyteller. Right. Agree with your friends that you're going to play a more lighter version than what this can take. Right. And that's OK, too. However, me and it are not that. So in uh, in summation, the Malkavian clan book, uh, I would skip it, even though that may be detrimental to our own personal well-being. <laughs> I, uh, We're still going to have links if you want to buy it. <laughs> That's what I meant. But he's, uh, he's, but from a moral perspective, from a, a vampire player to another vampire player or storyteller, uh, go get the revised book. I, I think you can skip this one unless you're a collector. Uh that's my personal perspective. I I, uh, I think that what little bit of redemption it brings is not worth spending your money on. What I can tell you is that if it's under five bucks, you can get it. Um, if you go to a convention or wherever you go, yeah. you find it. If White Wolf runs a special, buy the revised full price, get this included. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, White Wolf. Great job. Go ahead and do it. Our drive to RPG, you can have the same promo. Yep. It's worth it just to have it. I mean, why have it? You open this one to go, what the? F-? And then you open the next one to go, Ah, okay. Here's okay. Got it. I got what I need. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and give it to your players. I give them that option. Go. Here's one. Right. You like it? Oh, this seems like a lot of fun. Hold that thought. What about this one? Oh, that seems kind of dull and boring compared to this one. Okay, you can't play Malkavian. <laughs> it's that simple. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> that's gonna do it for us. Definitely, thank you for listening. Um, if you have any questions or comments, there's a bunch of ways that you can get in touch with us. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on any of our various Patreon, uh, etc. There's there's tons of ways that you can do it. You can go to our website, of course. You can leave a comment on the podcast. You can send me an email from the website, as many of you have discovered recently. There's tons of ways to get in touch with us. If you have questions, things, uh, criticism for us, uh, things that you'd like us to add, um, get out there, get active. We definitely get to everyone that we can. And uh, till next week, next week we are doing the Gangrel Clan book. And what I can promise in the Gangrel Clan book, if you're a fan of it, that book is awesome. Yeah. Dave, I'll tell you that ahead of time. It's really good. It will be a much more positive review. 
for sure. And as a footnote, I want you to know that we're about honesty with this client, with, with this review. Uh, we're going to tell you how something makes us feel one way or the other. And as any review, it's the opinions of people. We're well-versed in the lore. We're well-versed right. in the books. We own the whole thing. We've read them multiple times. So this perspective where I would call as professional as it gets when it comes to this material, I will also add this. We also give you a business insight into why they might have made that decision too. And as I said, this book was made for a very experimental uh, business decision. I think it was seeding for Faye the change or the Changeling. I think it was also to see um, if players wanted a more in-game prop versus actual knowledge of how to play a clan. Well, it, and it's pretty clear that they did that. They did that with the Gangrel. Uh, the Gangrel tied directly into Werewolf. The Tremere can tie directly into Mage. The Malkavian can tie directly into Fae. Not like this. No, but this but but right, but they they nods, make a but... they make a link. You know, in right. in these early editions, they're way more overt than they are in the revised editions. In the revised editions, they can't remove it. They can't redact those things, but they can lessen that blow. Do right. you know what I mean? They can soften those connections, and uh, you know, Giovanni and Wraith. Etc. So we're not saying that they have to exist separate. No, we're saying you can mention that it's in the book, and, and you should. Uh, but we're saying it shouldn't be done in such a way that you will run in. Don't set the expectation that your character can come from these things or what have you. Set yeah. the expectation that there's a little little head nod in this area. Absolutely. Well, anyways, thanks for listening. We will see you next week. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, uh, like it where it can be liked, share it where it can be shared. Until next week, I am Nate, and I am Bob. Take care. <laughs>